Welcome back to this week's edition of the OmniTalk Fast Five. It's October 11th, 2019. I'm here, joined as always with Carter Jensen and Ann Mazinga. Good morning. It's it's a little Isn't quieter a here. It's, it's a little quieter here in the studio. It's like the standard cold, rainy fall morning here in Minneapolis. We have a huge event here. What later tonight yep. for Third House, which is a ton of fun. And Chris, you got trips. We got travel next week. is huge. There's a lot going on. It's just going to take us a little bit to uh, let's say boot up this morning. Yeah, I was at the Lizzo concert last you went night, to guys. Lizzo? So I'm going to be functioning at about how was it? Was forty two percent? Was it as amazing as I would expect it to be? You know, uh, I'm going to be one of those people right now that's like I liked her way back when so uh, oh you were an original fan I I was an OG Lizzo fan back when she was with a band called Girl Party which I I would suggest that people check out but all of her old stuff has been pulled off Spotify, which is really disappointing. Record labels. Is she dating a Viking, really? Uh, I can neither confirm nor deny, oh, Carter. Okay. But uh, But the show was, I mean, it's clear she's reached star status. Like, n- we're talking next Whitney, next Beyonce. It's at the Armory, right? That was, was a fun a, venue. It's an amazing venue. Um, the crowd was lit. I mean, it was crazy. I've never seen a crowd like that before i was of course in, in a balcony as a responsible adult just like swaying side to side to side sitting in like, your, sitting my, in your chair kind nice, of moving back yeah, and forth doing my nice minnesota groove there's lots of lots of uh lots of minnesota people getting there uh shaking their things but uh it was it was a great show but very late so <laughs> that we're gonna much, try to get through much it. better than my 24 hours my 24 hours involved yeah waking up with the flu in the middle of the night in phoenix getting on a plane with a fever and then uh i'm st- somehow i managed to be here today so i i'm gonna look to carter and Ann. if you're watching this on, we'll bring the on heat YouTube, it's all right you can see i'm barely barely alive but uh you guys will help me out i'm sure on this one so should we get to it let's story number it. one let's all right do it. all right do it. First, i'm gonna s- first all right sure that's fair i was gonna set to the bar high sponsor and our sponsor is Trigo, of course. Trigo provides checkout-free technology that sets your customer free. Trigo's network of ceiling-mounted cameras sees what no other systems can seize. see. That also said, it creates a 3D image of retailers' shop floor environments and maps the movement of every object as customers shop. Its proprietary algorithms and neural networks enable a frictionless shopping experience where consumers can enter a store, pick out whatever they want, and leave. Thank you to them, as always, for their support of us at Trigo. So, Carter, story number one. All right, I'm going to try to set the bar high here. Here we go. All right, so Target announced on Tuesday that it's partnering with parent com- the parent company of Toys R Us brand, True Kids, to help them relaunch ToysRUs.com. So this deal allow- will allow Toys R Us, post-bankruptcy, to have an online presence again while simultaneously reopening stores throughout the U.S. As of Tuesday, shoppers who visit the current Toys R Us website will actually be redirected to Target's website once they click the buy button, so to actually make the transaction. Uh, True Kids CEO Richard Berry states that the new website will allow for more than just making purchases, but it will actually serve for a resource for parents who are uh, looking for the latest toy to buy as well as an educational tool for kids. Uh, The deal could also contribute to a huge boost in sales for Target's already strong business ahead of the holiday season. So I, I actually like this for a couple of reasons, but I'm curious. I have a couple of questions maybe for you guys who might, uh, who might you know, be in the mix in some of these logistics a little bit more. <laughs> in Quest. the mix. I, well, I just think, you know, with your guys' experience, I'd be curious. So in a deal like this, so Target's doing the fulfillment, they actually get the sale, all that kind of fun stuff. Why wouldn't, like, what, what kind of ownership does Target have over the ToysRUs.com experience? Or do you assume in a deal like this? And how much influence and what's the long-term you know, plan for some a partnership like this? Those are all really good questions. First, I think before we go there, though, why do you like it? 
I like it. Well, I, the reason I, I bring up those questions is because I like, I think as we have talked about before, I think it's been almost a year since we started talking about this, but we look at all how toys are being sold differently online now. And it's all about, you know, Walmart did that. Remember we recorded that podcast all about Walmart's um, toy tester web experience. Yep. I think it was Walmart. Yep. Um, we talk a lot about YouTube kid, you know, kid YouTube stars who are just crushing uh, dollars by doing toy recommendations. You're looking really at this category that needs a little bit of disruption, especially when it comes to discovery, education, trial. And, and I don't think, you know, you've seen a few free fringe companies and, and yeah. individuals be able to do it. And and the new arrangement that it looks like Toys R Us.com and Target has is they're kind of going after that new experience center. Now, my question would be, why wouldn't Target just do it themselves? Like, why do they need Toys R Us? Are they going to use the Toys R Us brand or use that as a separate discovery recommendation engine, knowing that they can actually fulfill things behind the scenes? Um, I, I, I think it's really interesting. I am just curious. It seems like Target had a void that they were going to really push to fill when Toys R Us went under. Uh, and now they're kind of digging them back up out of the grave to kind of prop them up in a way that, uh, you know, it seems kind of counterintuitive to maybe the opportunity that I felt was on the table for them. Yeah, I'm. my biggest question, Carter, is hitting on, like, the the name Toys R Us. Like, is, the, is the, does Toys R Us still have the cachet that it did now that it's gone into bankruptcy? It, so much so that Target's, like you said, like the Target's just going to fulfill orders. I think there's got to be a lot that's happening behind the scenes and that probably has been happening behind the scenes for a while that made Target move forward with this decision. Because to me, it's like, it's like if Sears, when they inevitably go under, like is Home Depot going to bring the Sears.com website back to life and then fulfill all the orders for, Se- for Sears.com? Like, is there enough cachet with that brand or are people just going to be going to Target to buy toys now anyway or going to Amazon to buy toys anyway? I, I think I think the Toys R Us brand does hold a little bit of weight. Um, I also would say that the bankruptcy you know, the news of the bankruptcy probably didn't hit the standard U.S. consumer as much as it might have hit our worlds. I think they're probably angry the fact that Toys R Us shut down. I think the question is, is that, you know, I think one of the maybe not statistical issues about Toys R Us is they realized that the every three week visit was just being replaced by Amazon. However, uh, you know, I would imagine that maybe some of the holiday shopping periods still were kind of strong. So if Toys R Us was still known as the place to go for discovery shopping, you know, is Grandma Jean and Aunt Janie going to be able to jump onto ToysRUs.com because that's where they've always gone to figure out what they're going to buy their nieces and nephews and grandkids? Are Grandma and, Jean and Aunt Janie going online to ToysRUs.com to buy their grandkids? That's a, it's things? a good point. But, you know, are they going, I guess they would just go to Target. Yeah, right. Well, that's, but I think that's a great point that you bring up, like Carter. I think that Target does have the, you know, thousands plus stores around the country where you can get that that product today. If you are a ToysRUs.com customer and you're used to that experience going online to search for toys, um, you can have it in an instant. Um, the other interesting thing is the two the two experience stores that, that Toys R Us is putting out there. I think that makes sense for Target to do some experimentation down the road um, in some other ways. Like what kind of technology can they test in the store to facilitate buying in those experience centers? What kind of data is Target collecting based on like, is it worthwhile and is it a good test for Target to see if those types of like unique one-off toy experiences are are uh, valuable for Target uh, and for Target to fulfill on the back end? Well, data share is a whole other thing too, like yeah. even from a website analytics standpoint. That's another topic, right? Yeah. I, yeah, that, this one's tough, and so bear with me here as I'm probably running at about 50%. But it, it, I love the move for Target. I think it's a really good move for Target. I think it keeps Target top of mind within the toys, 
you know, mental state in the mm-hmm. holiday season. It also probably is good from a traffic perspective. I got to think uh, from an e-commerce standpoint to be associated with kind of toys, Toys R Us at that time of year, whether it just captures the actual consumer's mind or it actually captures some traffic. So I think that's good. What I don't understand about it, though, is I actually don't understand. I, I don't I don't like it necessarily from a Toys R Us standpoint. I think it, sh- it sheds light on a couple of things. I think, one, it sheds light on the fact that yeah, they might have kept the Toys R Us brand name and they were bought by a private equity firm, if I'm not mistaken, but they're not really ready for prime time. They're not ready and able to do their own distribution. To have somebody go on a Toys R Us website and then be ported off to a different website to do the fulfillment, that right. could be a really janky experience. And I don't know that I love that. could be great for Target, but I'm not sure that that's great for trying to re-enliven you know, the Target, or I'm sorry, the Toys R Us experience. Um, and then to your point about the physical stores, like that means your product's also not differentiated at all. right? And so what are you actually doing in those physical stores? Are those physical stores that you're now experimenting with two different, you know, whatever, how many concepts, I think it's two different store, physical store concepts. Like, is that even going to be worth anything if you're just selling non-differentiated product out of there and then you're having to use somebody else on your back end? And you could get probably anybody to do this. So I could see why Target would do it because it's like, well, if somebody else is going to do it, we might as well do yeah. it. And then if it actually works, then maybe we just figure out how to buy whatever these new concepts are, put Toys R Us in our store, who knows? But that that's kind of where my head's going with all this. A macro topic. I just had a business idea in my mind. What like What is holding someone like myself back from building a really awesome discovery engine knowing that brand might not be a thing? I'll buy, you know, paid ads on Facebook and Instagram to drive Grandma Janie there. And I then basically just use Amazon to fulfill everything. You know, and at the end of the day, I guess the question is, is how am I making money? Um, but I think that's like what people do now anyway. Right. Like, that's what they're doing now anyway. So this is just Toys R Us kind of doing the same thing. Um, and you have to wonder, like, why why isn't Facebook more of an overt partner on this? Like in terms of like the discovery of toys and then, yeah. you know, why don't, you know, how's that going to play in with Target? Well, you know, do you go from Facebook to Toys R Us to Target or Facebook to Target? Like, I don't know. It seems like. It seems like the root problem here is you're trying to figure out how to get product as fast as po- possible and sell as much to pay off the investors on the private equity side. And so you're going to partner with somebody like Target to do it. I think Target here wins. But again, I don't. I just don't know in the long run. You know, It might work for a little bit with TRU, but I'm not sure that the long run's ever in the minds of, of the PE guys. So anyway, story two. Story number two. So Walgreens is partnering with FedEx on returns in preparation for peak holiday season. So FedEx has announced an expansion of its parcel pickup and drop-off partnership with Walgreens uh, with the inclusion of in-store label printing services for returns. So they're calling this uh, FedEx returns technology. And as we understand it, it's going to work very similarly to um, the Amazon returns process now with someone like a UPS, um, where the retailers can uh, send a label, a return label code via email. The individual returning the item can bring it now to a Walgreens location, one of their um, 7,300 stores that are going to be piloting this pro- uh, this project, and uh, return the item. So they'll have the label. They can drop it off and they're good to go. Uh, thoughts on this, guys? I'm I'm curious how much of a, a moat is being created with uh, the 7,300 stores. Like, obviously, that's no small feat to build that out. Right. The reason I bring that up is because you look at the termination between FedEx and Amazon's relationship, mm-hmm. and then you look at how Amazon is not only pushing pack and ship centers and they're looking for partnerships as well, but also when we talk about the expansion of Amazon Go and the more convenience stores, small format stores, Walgreens is in, like, their, like, 
crosshairs when it looks to say, well, you know, what are they going to go after next? And it's like, well, is there an Amazon store on every corner? And you start to think about what that store might include. Now, I obviously, I'm going away from this core story here. I think it's of huge value. I think people don't have printers. They don't have packing tape. They don't have that kind of stuff in their in their homes. So they're going to you know, do this. Right. I, but I also like what, what else comes to mind? I'm just kind of spewing what's on top of my head here. But um, why would I go to Walgreens when I know that um, at the end of the day, like usually the FedEx guy or, you know, UPS guy already has the label for me. Like I can choose to just have my box picked up without a label and they slap that on the top and it's gone. In most cases, but not all. I think like it okay. depends on who you're, when you're ordering from, that's a, that's a thing. Like when you're ordering from Amazon, I think that's an option. The, the returns, sure. you know, pick up, but um, as someone who's recently done several Amazon returns to a Kohl's store, I can tell you like the, this process is being, you know, based on the few times that I was there is being utilized by quite a few people. And now to have 7,300 more places that you can return product to, I think it's, it's smart. And if you look at what Walgreens is doing with Kroger and you start to see how those, what's, what they're, what the Walgreens store is starting to look like, I think it's smart. They're on every corner. They are, you know, now you can do Kroger and Walgreens shopping in the space. And now you can drop off packages. Like you have, a lot of things you can accomplish in one small footprint. And I think that's really smart. When you look at the termination of that relationship and then FedEx is now adding this as a value. So you look at maybe some of the new players within e-commerce, whether it's Shopify, whether it's some of these, you know, rental, you know, clothing things that we always are talking about. And you all of a sudden realize, well, now FedEx can tout this fact that, hey, like, not only are you going to use us as an exclusive partner, but we're going to offer these $7,300 return locations so that your users can simply just drop off the clothes that they're done wearing on a Monday morning and we'll take care of the rest. You know, exactly. So you're adding value beyond the fulfillment. And I think you know, from a FedEx standpoint, that's going to be really necessary. Yeah, and, um, co- and convenience. I mean, a lot of people are going to Walgreens already for other things. And I think it's maximizing your time and what you the time you're able to give back to your customers because they can do more than just the one thing in your space. And totally. Plus gets people more traffic into the Walgreens stores. So yeah, absolutely. I don't have, a, you know, I don't have a lot to add here. I mean, I think it's, it's just another move, another, another good move in that, in that realm of what we've talked about in, ter- in terms of, you know, package returns. I mean, it's stuff that we were, you, Ann and I, you and I were thinking about four or five years ago, you know, and have written about how, you know, retail needs to combine with mailboxes, et cetera, to some, some yeah. extent in way, shape or form. And now you're seeing it with Kohl's and now you're seeing it with Walgreens. That, as I step back and I try to look at a 30,000 foot view, what I think is really interesting, and I've been thinking about this a lot, is we've been talking about a lot of the reimagination of retail, but in a lot of ways, what we're starting to reimagine is what is the post office? You know, we're starting to reimagine, you know, what is, what is, what is the pharmacy? And then the question for me too, is what is the coffee shop? Like those three things, the pharmacy, the coffee shop, and the post office are still three things that potentially get you out of your house. They're still Mm -hmm. the why. Um, The interesting part for me in this is we're seeing how Walgreens might reimagine itself with Kroger, with partnerships like this, the post office becoming a part of that almost in Kohl's or with this, the reimagination of the coffee shop still with this idea hasn't happened yet. So I'm curious you know, what starts to happen there too. Like you've got the... Like, what are you thinking for the reimagination of the coffee shop? So I'm thinking like, you know, we talked about Starbucks where you have, all you go there for is order pickup. Well, they're doing that at the Kroger in Cincinnati. The, the mobile window pickup at Starbucks or they have their walk-up window. So Right. And so like, why couldn't you just have like coffee shop locations where I go there in the morning, I drop off my packages that I return or I go there in the afternoon, drop off my packages yeah. to return or get my packages on the way home. Like, I'm surprised that hasn't happened and your dinner. yet. That's yeah, happening. Or, and, yeah. 
Well, yeah, it's happening at that one example. Right. Yeah. But you could do micro locations like this across yeah. the country pretty easily. So um, I'm curious, and especially with how closely tied Starbucks and Amazon are in terms of their talent and where they are. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised we actually haven't seen that yet. I want. You wonder what the footprint would look like. I'm picturing I think like it'd be super cool. I'm picturing like a glorified Amazon locker setup. Like really, the footprint wouldn't yeah. have to be that much no. bigger. You know, you got a hundred bays, and the bay has your packages, your return from whatever rental you know clothing you have, dinner for that night, and a coffee for the morning. You know, kind of thing. Yeah, and it's all set up like that. Right, right. And they you, know you every day. Yeah, and you look at like my favorite thing to to uh, think about is walking by all these brand new condo buildings, and you have these. I mean, think about what you could put in one condo unit on the main floor of, right. of a condo building. It's one so unit. easy. You could do walk-in, you could have pickups, like everything we're talking about here could happen so easily in an, in a model, what was a model unit of a condo. And you don't know this, but I wrote that exact thing in Forbes this morning. Oh, like, man. You'll have to read it. I wrote that exact thing in we Forbes this morning. We need to spend morning. more time apart. But Yeah, I know, but... <laughs> But no, it did. It, it, I mean, exa- it exactly could come to fruition. And you, t- I think the other thing for me was the kicker a couple, three or four weeks ago when you said, it's not that Starbucks isn't going to provide service. It's just the service changes from pre-purchase to post-purchase, which yeah. if you get all the people that are really good at post-purchase service, coffee, package, pickup and delivery returns, that's who's good at that thing too. So I don't know. It feels like a marriage made in heaven. It's a little bit of a, we went a little off on a tangent here with this one, but not I don't know. Us. It gets me thinking, but I think it's also super cool. Okay, story number three. This one's mine. Hopefully, I can make it through. We'll help you. All right, we'll thanks, guys. Along. This one's tough too. There's a lot of, lot of, lot of, what is those vowels that go Big in words. weird places together? Yes, <laughs> large words. Meyer, spelled M-E-I-J-E-R. For those unfamiliar, announced that they are deploying cutting edge micro fulfillment technology. This, yes, that's right. Meyer this week announced that it will be installing. Micro a micro fulfillment solution into its stores, which will allow it to maximize its store footprint while expanding its digital capabilities simultaneously. The retailer will be implementing Dematic's micro fulfillment solution, which was designed to help retailers from all industries address increased consumer demand for rapid online order fulfillment in a small footprint. I love it. I love it. We've been talking about this for a while. We've been talking about it for a long time. First, you had Walmart with the Alphabot. Then you had Takeoff Technologies with, say, Pilots and Sedanos, Albertsons, Stop Shop, Stop and Shop, Wakefern. Now you've got this new player, Dematic, coming onto the scene with Meyer. Yeah, I I wasn't familiar with Dematic until reading about this, but they are also a Michigan-based company, as is Meyer, and so um, cu- curious if that was kind of what, how this relationship came to be. But I mean, I, it goes back to what we were just saying: what can you put in more locations in a smaller footprint, and how can you serve customers better in those places? Um, and this is just one way that now Meyer will be able to to do this. And goes back to what we were saying last week, Chris, and we were talking about how 2020 and coming off a grocery shop, 2020 and grocery, like things are about to get real. Things are going to be changing, I think, faster than we've seen ever um, in the next year, especially in this grocery space. And this is just another testament to that. Yeah, it's funny. I was actually sitting at the table with a bunch of Meyer folks uh, at a conference, a robotics conference that I was at a couple of weeks ago. And it was funny because no one was talking about this at all. Yeah. So it's really funny that to see this get announced right like within a few days afterwards. 
um, yeah, it's coming. It's happening fast. There's a lot of talk, a lot of chatter on LinkedIn, you know, about, you know, is it a shuttle solution? Is it a truly robotic solution? You know, in terms of how all this will play out and lots of people have pros and cons either way, depend on how geeked up you get about that. And then you get in the question of, you know, how easier, whatever option you choose, how easier are those going to be to service as you start to do this more and more often? That's yeah. always been the play that takeoffs play. It is like it's tried and true technology that people know how to work. So, yeah, I mean, it's just another example of somebody, you know, coming to the party to try to do this micro-fulfillment solution. Well, and this is the micro-fulfillment solution. This is not, you know, it, from what I researched on Domatic, they're able to scale up pretty substantially to full distribution centers. So I think it's a smart, you know, small-scale test to begin for Meyer. Yeah, that's interesting, too, because you're right. That's a good point, Anne. Like, you've got Takeoff, which is really focused on the micro. Right. You've got Okado on the one end, which is really focused on the much larger. Now you've got somebody that's saying, hey, you know what? Maybe we can help you through all the different options, because all the different options could be applicable in the right, depending on the geography. Right. You know, if it's a more densely packed urban area versus more of a suburban area. So, yeah, it's an interesting little niche that they're starting to carve uh, in this space. Yeah, and you're going to see this layer of technology be added. You talked about 2020 really being the go-to of the uh, of really the uh, grocery revolution or whatever that might be. And you're going to end up seeing, I think, this layer of tech that's going to really uh, is democratize the right word, but also like enable really any grocer of any size be able to layer this on to a degree. Um, and I think not only is it a necessity, but I think that knowing how technology rolls out today and kind of the, the user uh, experience that is kind of the baseline, um, I think it's going to be really empowering to grocers. And I think, you know, really what the limitation will be is how quickly can you actually flip your physical space? Um, um, and, and using technologies like this in the background is going to just amplify or accelerate that change. Yep, 2020 could be a big year, but you know what they say, hindsight's 2020. Oh my God, I'm going to save us all <sighs> okay. and go to the next story. Story number four, Best Buy opens a Houston outlet to boost online returns. So Best Buy just announced, uh, per the Houston Chronicle, that they have opened their first outlet store in the Houston area, um, offering shoppers steep discounts on electronics, TVs, Appliances and aiming to boost um, its return on returns, uh, which have soared obviously since um, since e-commerce and people buying more th- more of these types of things online. Um, the outlets are a third to half the size of a regular Best Buy store. Uh, it's a traditional outlet floor model. You can go and see all kinds of appliances. They're carrying. All of the brands, um, including Whirlpool, LG, and even Viking and Thermidor, some of the larger brands, uh, at a discount. And the store will only be open three days a week, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, so as not to uh, you know, cannibalize any of the Best Buy business. I love this. I think this might be my favorite story of the Fast Five Of the week? week? Wow. Wow, no way. I do. I, learned, I think it's cool. I learned from a source close to or inside Best Buy, that this is not the first one that they've done. It's the first one in the Houston area. They have some other outlet stores. But I love the move toward having an outlet version of a store, whether you're Best Buy, whether you're a, a apparel retailer. I think the trend is going this way. You are being smart about how you're dealing with returns and not just storing them or even worse, throwing them away. There's all these companies coming into the space to look at how we improve the returns process and how we get that product out of you know a back room of a store. So I think this is super smart on Best Buy's behalf. You know your customer base wants this. Um, there's already you know how many scratch and dent appliance places that exist already. And now to have uh, the name brand attached of a Best Buy, um, it's it's brilliant. 
I love it. Come yeah, on, you're the resident millennial here. What do you think? <laughs> well, all of my appliances are from a scratch and dent outlet. Yeah. Uh, and let me just say that the Best Buy name behind that would have been really nice. Yes. Um, I think, you know, obviously the, the standard piece of feedback and that you had just covered was the fact that obviously Best Buy is getting a ton of returns. How do you leverage that and, and really kind of create value with some of the things that might just be sitting in the back room? You go ahead and open an outlet store. Now, what I like, though, is this three-day-a-week thing. I don't think we're, we're hitting on that enough. And I think that it, it adds this level of scarcity. It adds this level of like treasure hunt kind of mentality. What is the furniture store here in Minneapolis that does that where it's like only open on the weekends? Room and board. Room and board outlet. Yes. Right? And people bring their kids and they run in and throw them on couches to try to claim them. It's yeah. an actual thing that happens. There's a huge line out the door. And I mean, right. it's one of these things where they've created this idea of scarcity. They've created this idea of getting an extreme value on a high dollar item. Um, and I think it's really cool. And I think having the Best Buy name behind it. The other thing is, is that I think the consumer experience baseline is a lot lower for an outlet store. Right. People know that it's going to be a warehouse looking thing. They're not expecting the top of the line service that these blue shirts have been known for these days. Um, and, and you're able to really kind of just blow out a warehouse with a bunch of stuff that might have been just thrown away to create really kind of this cool treasure hunting type experience. And right. for Best Buy, this might be a perfect complement to really what they're looking for, especially with this new service model they're going for. Mm-hmm. If you want that white glove service, if you want that setup, you want that recommendation, you want that nice blue shirt telling you exactly what to buy, how to buy it, how to set it up, the whole nine yards. Great. Go to a normal Best Buy location and a Best Buy location that arguably will probably be shrinking in footprint to a degree. If you want to just go all in, you've already done your research online, everything like that, you're going to go to an outlet store because you're going to save a couple hundred bucks and you don't really care about the blue shirt because really they're just getting in the way. Right. The question is, is like now with these huge footprints, like could they flip half of the store to be one or the other? Well, let me, well, actually, let me put that back on you, Carter, because I think, I think you actually just stumbled onto something really brilliant there that I, I, I definitely had never thought about, but like... So two points, really. One, I think the idea makes sense. I mean, 30 40% of your e-commerce business is coming back on returns in general. Totally. And in these categories, like, why not come up with a way to resell that in a very cost-efficient way, which is to your points about the outlet model in terms of how you can run that and for how many days. But the interesting part about the service angle is the service angle, actually, it's high margin and it scales across whether it's an outlet experience or if it's actually a traditional Best Buy experience. So even if I'm buying stuff say, at the cheap, how I get that all set up in my house, especially in the days of IoT and all that, that actually might still be really relevant in those stores. And it actually doesn't cost you that much more to provide it there either. And so I think that actually is a, like kind of this unexpected, brilliant thing to what you just said, in my opinion. What do you totally. think about that? Well, and I think, I think service post-purchase is there. And I think it's another outlet for exactly, them to get right. into more homes. It's so more able to get Geek Squad into more places, installing more TVs, being that go-to 365 day of year coverage that Geek Squad's trying to be in. And the point, the margin's awesome on that. Uh, when I talk about service uh, within this frame of reference, it's, is a blue shirt meeting you at the door as you walk in saying, hey, Miss Johnson, right. what can I help you with today? Right. You know, and that's what Best Buy is kind of going for. They're trying to go for that very, well, among other things, right? You don't need right? the pre-sell service. You don't yeah, need you the need, consultation yeah. that's yep. happening. Yep. But to your point, you might actually have a larger opportunity for support because you're just going in and grabbing whatever, you know, is a good deal. And you might not have done the research. You might get home and realize that you don't have everything you need. And you really do need that service and support from the Geek Squad service or Geek Squad, you know, offering Mm -hmm. to be able to come and kind of tie all these pieces together. Yeah, you're basically increasing your distribution points by which you can you can upsell those service offerings in the home. That's fascinating. And for less than the product at 
you know, that you're paying at retail cost. I mean, if you're getting 50% off the product itself and then even paying for all of these services, you're still below what your market price would be. That's your tip. That's a brilliant marketing hook too. Cause if you want to get people into those services, like it's like, Oh, you just saved, you know, 50% on this thing. Why don't you buy this from us? Your three year warranty added your whatever product back. Right. Brilliant stuff. Yeah. That's awesome. Awesome. I I was going to say one more thing. Yeah. So I think, the, the other interesting point, which might be very granular compared to the larger topics we were talking about, but, you know, traditionally some of the higher margin items within a Best Buy have been the accessories, the mounting brackets, the cabling, all that kind of fun stuff. Right. And you're probably not going to see a ton of used gear like that probably sitting on, on, on the shelves there. So I wonder even if, you know, basically the front of the store is just an accessory outlet right. you know, or accessory kind of haven. You know, you go buy that fancy new TV. Well, you know, you save $300 on the TV, which is still good for Best Buy because it's not sitting in the back of the room. Uh, but yet you still need the mount you probably are missing a power cord you need the hdmi cable and you need you know five other things that might not come with it well all of a sudden best buy just sold you five accessories that you probably would buy somewhere else because they got you into a store and they got you to buy a product with them right yeah i'll do it all in one trip makes a ton of sense makes a ton of sense awesome wow that was fun okay maybe that was the best story of the week and and was on it just saying all right although this one is going to be hard to beat it's definitely going to be hard to beat for me (laughs) And try not to have a heart attack. While yeah, you're doing I'm going to try not to get too excited about this. But we're just going to call story number five just the overall fail that is Mark Lorry's tenure at Walmart. <laughs> so, if in case you missed the headlines this week, it started out on Friday um, that Jet Black is having quite a bit of trouble. Uh, if you look, read the report from the Wall Street Journal, it reports that there are only 600 active members. The service is losing $15,000 per member. And that for some godforsaken reason, Walmart has also budgeted $60 million towards the effort. And, oh, not surprisingly, as a result of those statistics, it's on the selling block. The other stories that were interesting as well, in case you are keeping score at home, which if you are, lucky for you, um, ModCloth is actually being sold to Go Global Retail at a fraction of the price Walmart paid for it. Oh, and another one of Walmart's acquisitions under the Lori tenure, Bonobos. Bonobos is also now reportedly laying off a large proportion of its staff. So, net-net, really good job, Lori. You've got a lot of really successful things to call attention to. And if you haven't seen it out there, I would also call attention to this. I watched Lori's video interview with Jason Del Rey of Recode, and it is fascinating to watch that interview and just how little substance there is in everything he's saying, especially around the digitally native brands and the acquisition strategy. Oh, and by the way, how because of all of this, now everything's shifting to growing uh, to growing brands in-house by way of things like Oswell, which by the way, Target and Walmart have been doing since the cows came home. So anyway, I could go off on this. I did for Forbes. I'm not going to do it again. I'm just curious what you guys think because like I, you know, you know, I'm pretty biased on this one as it goes already. But again, more indication of things we've been saying for quite a long time, over a year now. Yeah, the jet black thing is what really rubs me the wrong way. Why is that? Of all these things, like me the, too. The bonobos thing. Yeah, you know that that was a layoffs they were, happened. That was well, right. Mod cloth wasn't working. Not really surprised. Never there. made sense. But. The amount of investment in Jet Black crushes my soul. And I, th- I said this in a podcast before, but like when you look at the foundation of Walmart and what their, their mission, their whole mission is to, you know, save people more money. And Sam Walton would, can you imagine if Sam Walton was alive? No. 
Again, I'm going to say this again. If he knew how much they had invested in this one concept for 600 people, he would <laughs> lose his mind. Well, you know what else I don't get? Do you remember all the baloney reporting about how there was this exclusive wait list? And I went back and I looked this up. There was a, there was You a re- called him on that when it came out. And there yeah. was a report that came out that thousands were on the wait list. I'm like, really? Were they? And I asked the I asked the PR team if it was the QA department is what the thousands were. Yeah, I feel like this. I feel like the jet black experiment could have been done on a smaller scale for a far longer time for far fewer dollars than sixty million dollars. I mean, my favorite point I think about the Forbes article, um, even though you could feel the heat like (laughs) while I was reading that, but my favorite point in the article is like sixty million dollars could have built. Walmart, a completely high tech, cool concept store. Yeah, you for could build sure. a new Walmart, and a new, uh, at least one one Walmart as they exist today. Yeah, but a modern then, day a, super center, yeah. right? Like you could be doing all kinds of cool stuff with that investment. Um, and man, what a flaming turd of a project! Yeah. So now, for sixty million dollars, rich people in New York with in apartments with doorman can get their IKEA product delivered to them from Walmart. You know, right. That's basically what you created. I Said mean, no one ever. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like that was the funny thing about the report. If you read it, it's like. Walmart promised the best price, but they didn't know that they could find it at Walmart. They didn't always have the best price because they had to get it to people like within a really quick turnaround. So they go buy it somewhere else. Like the whole thing just made no sense. Like how this thing ever got off the ground, which we've said from the beginning, it it doesn't play into Walmart's brand promise, like you said at all. And I don't know. I could just keep going, Carter. They just thoughts? they just missed like the mark in terms of who they were serving and where the opportunities were like holistically. Instead of investing into the foundational elements of their business and what has been proven to be successful over the last what how many how many years right? Mm-hmm. Like they've tried to go for this aspirational audience that yeah look probably good on paper and in a fancy boardroom, but at the end of the day like they forgot who they actually were. Uh, and you're seeing them try to catch up. I mean like obviously they're doing some amazing things with grocery pickup like that seems to be working well. But like why wouldn't you invest into that? earlier and more heavily rather than going after the doormen you know touting millionaires in new york city especially yeah. at that scale i mean here's here's the challenge i throw out there to all our loyal listeners and subscribers put this out on social media on linkedin make me wrong but name for me one thing mark laurie has done since he joined walmart that's been good that's worked and that's one and two that someone else at another company or even Walmart itself couldn't have done by itself. I bet you cannot find it. I will throw down the gauntlet right there because I can't. Cardi just talked about order pickup. Yeah, every company's doing that. We just read up we just talked about a company that's doing micro fulfillment. Like every solution that has been working at Walmart, I think Walmart would have gotten there without them. Well, the silver lining, if there is one, is that hopefully this has called enough attention to where Walmart has been spending its money incorrectly in the last couple of years, and we will see fewer of these wild, crazy initiatives come out of Walmart. Exactly. Hopefully, hopefully, Fingers crossed. Hopefully that's true. Fingers crossed. I think it will, too. I think Doug McMillan's got a good head on his shoulders, and he'll be like, okay, yeah, enough's enough. All right. Well, that closes us up for the week. Sorry for my little fever diatribe there. <laughs> I literally do have a fever as I'm talking. So, But anyway, we got through it. Thanks to my partners, as always, Ann and Carter, for helping me get through that. Uh, remember to like, review, and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, the listening uh, platform of your pleasure. Every difference makes a difference. And thank you so much to everyone who's been leaving reviews for us. Thanks again, as always, to our sponsor, Trigo. And of course, be careful out there.
Oh, 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 oh,